KBTC, a viewer-supported community service of Bates Technical College. From KBTC Public Television Studios in Tacoma, Washington, it's the Northwest Now podcast. Each week, we take a closer look at the people and issues that affect all of us here in Western Washington. So sit back, relax, and join the conversation with your host, Tom Lason. A guaranteed minimum income. Is it an idea whose time has come or a dangerous disincentive against working hard to compete in the game of survivor that is the American economic system? Tonight, we discuss Tacoma's experiment with what some see as the ultimate solution to poverty and others see as another step toward disincentivizing the world's producers. That is next on Northwest Now. The idea behind a guaranteed income is to provide low-income people with a slug of cash every month, no strings attached. Stockton, California tried it in 2019 when 125 randomly selected people got $500 a month for two years. Researchers found that in year one, full-time employment went up 12%, since less time had to be spent hustling a buck and more time could be spent learning and looking for work. Hudson, New York is trying to help people afford house payments. Same story in Gary, Indiana, Newark, New Jersey, and Jackson, Mississippi, and more than a dozen other cities. A Pew study shows public opinion is shifting in favor of that idea, and you might recall that it was a big piece of Andrew Yang's run for president. Some related ideas involve increasing the child tax credit, or changing Social Security to include cash payments to the poor, or even reviving elements of the old welfare system that went away in 1996. Tacoma's program is called GRIT. That stands for Growing Resilience in Tacoma. Tacoma's pilot program is a little different because it provided $500 a month to people who were working. Folks who are working hard, making enough to be disqualified from assistance, but not enough to pay bills and have an emergency fund. The one-year experiment just concluded. Joining us now are United Way President and CEO Donna Pointapinto. Tacoma Mayor Victoria Woodards, and the United Way's GRIT Program Director, Abigail Lawson. Thanks all of you for coming to Northwest Now. Great to have a conversation about this guaranteed minimum income concept. But you know something, the interesting piece of this, or one of the interesting pieces, it doesn't start there. It actually has its roots in something prior to that with your research and your data collection, um, Donna, on Alice. Um, I've had a note in my computer for more than a year. It just says Donna slash Alice to do something on Northwest Now about that. And this really provides a great opportunity for that. I don't think you can understand grit, though, until you understand Alice. So you know what I'm talking about. Help fill in our viewers about what Alice is and what your findings were. Okay, well, it's good to be here. So Alice, uh, first of all, United Way is focused on poverty reduction and the population that we wanted to focus in on was this population called Alice, Asset Limited Income Constrained Employed. So these are individuals that are getting up, they're working every day, uh, sometimes two and three jobs. And Alice, the, it, it's between 100% and 200% of the federal poverty level for a family of four. So that's roughly at the federal poverty level, it's about 24 
thousand, $25,000, up to about 56,000 or so for a family of four. So that's the, and these are individuals that are always kind of teetering. Yeah, they're um, trying to figure out and make really tough choices on how they use the income that they're bringing into their households. Uh, and so that, that particular population is the population that we want to help from falling in. I say, and I would add with no buffer, if the car breaks down or the water heater goes out, that, that is where that really starts to get Absolutely. ugly. Absolutely. And, and here in Tacoma, 40% of the population of the households in Tacoma are Alice households. So we thought that that would be a great starting point because we wanted to make sure that people did have some income uh, come, you know, coming into the home. Mm -hmm. So here's United Way, Mayor. Um, they've, they've done this research. Don has been in the community talking about Alice for, for, for quite a while now with some of these findings and who and what this group exactly is. Meanwhile, we've got this experiment kind of happening in the United States with guaranteed minimum income. Stockton did it, a number of towns all across the United States. And there's a group called the Mayors for Guaranteed Income that, guess what, you're on. Ha! Huh, so start connecting <laughs> the dots here for me. So um, in, in, uh, in the summer of 2020, I got a call from then Mayor Michael Tubbs, who is, who is now the former mayor of Stockton, California, who was the first city to do this guaranteed income pilot. And he said, Mayor, I've been talking about this. I want to form mayors for guaranteed income. And I said, great, but we've kind of talked about it in Tacoma, but aren't quite ready. He said, if you're interested, I'd love for you to be a founding member. And I said, of course. And then obviously, as soon as I said yes, I was like, I got to talk to Donna because this is perfect for Alice. So what, what, what we did is we went out and the initial group started with about 10 to 12 mayors who said we're interested. And then went from there to now, we have over 100 mayors who have signed up in support of guaranteed income. A lot of them are either beginning to or are finishing up like we have running projects in their communities, um, as some guaranteed income projects. Now, the other good thing about us signing up in the very beginning is that's how we got the, the bulk of our funding to do our guaranteed income pilot in Tacoma. So what they did with those who initially signed up as founding members of Mayors for a Guaranteed Income, they, the, guaranteed, the Mayors for a Guaranteed Income at the national level actually went out and fundraised so that founding cities could actually have money to do a pilot with. Um, and I'm really excited about the work, Just um, was just at the White House, um, kind of sharing our findings with some staff at the White House, because what we do know is that in order for this program to, go, to grow, it's gotta come from the federal level. We've seen it work um, with um, child um, income tax credits. So we, we've seen right. it work. So, so now we wanna make it work for everybody. So where did the money for this initial um, group come from? I, I, interesting, I think Jack Dorsey with Twitter- I was Twitter gonna say Twitter. Was one of them. He, he, was, one of, he, was, he was the big giver. Um, okay. in, in the beginning. And as a matter of fact, we got a half a million dollars to do our pilot. That was from Jack Dorsey. And, and even before we got the money to do the pilot, um, he actually seeded the first, when we first organized, and our city got $100,000 um, just to be able to explore what a pilot would look like. And then somehow we were on the road to exploration when we got the call that said, you don't have to explore, we actually have money for you to do something. Okay. Good. So we have a good chain we're building here from yep. Alice Research to the Mayors for Guaranteed Income. Now here comes the Tacoma program, which is, heck, it's funded. Um, how do we get to GRIT? What does GRIT stand for? And um, Abigail, what, what, give us kind of the early days of that program. Yeah, GRIT is actually an acronym for Growing Resilience in Tacoma, which I think the mayor actually at one point, once she not, when she 
announced that there was going to be a guaranteed income pilot program, she received a postcard, and all it said was, name it Grit, or something fun <laughs> like that. Um, so we started with the concept of Grit. We now call it the Growing Resilience in Tacoma demonstration. Um, I think we would all agree that one of the clear benefits of running a localized program is that it gets to be local, is that you get to really root it into Tacoma. So I think that was step one, is the early days was, you know, the mayor called in United Way, Donna said yes initially, and then they called in the Greater Tacoma Community Found Foundation, Sound Outreach, Tacoma Urban League, um, the Pierce County Council, the list goes on of really trying to get some stakeholders on the ground of, mm -hmm. um, you know, where could guaranteed income best fit in, how and who, and, and then from there, turned it into community conversations. Right. Sitting and there. I want to get to how and who and what the results are. I know you're dying for that, but oh, I, yes. think, I <laughs> yeah. think there's one other important piece of background that people under, need to understand, uh, that this isn't just a, hey, let's see how it goes. Um, try at something. This is part of a research program. Absolutely. And I would like one of you to address that. How, how does this tie into research? You're, you're, yes, it's an experiment, but there's also careful documentation happening too, correct? Yeah, yeah exactly. So, you know, the, the whole, um, the whole um, idea behind GRIT is to really demonstrate how a small cash you know, assistance, uh, to, uh, cash assistance to individuals would help them in terms of just economic stability, well-being, improving all of those things. And so we're working with the university through MGI. We're working with the University of Pennsylvania, their right. Center for Guaranteed uh, Income Research. And so uh, they have been responsible for actually random selecting the 110 individuals uh, that are part of this effort. Uh, they have collected all of the research. Uh, unfortunately, we won't get the final report until uh, April of 2024, uh, but they've been collecting the data Data. We have um, spending uh, data as well. And what's been unique about this, and Abigail can add to it, is that we have five individuals that have agreed to be storytellers. Right. Um, so we've been able to capture um, their stories. And you know, just from the anecdotal information, we're seeing that this is working. Yeah. And I know the research piece is a little boring. It's a little in the weeds. <laughs> but I also know, too, that having that randomization is a part of it and having a good design on a study from an institution like the University of Pennsylvania adds credibility to it. Absolutely. So you have to have that piece, so I, I, I wanted to make sure we got that in there. So now the fun part that I know you want to talk about, what are the preliminary, albeit preliminary, what are the pre preliminary results telling us? Well, I, I, I think the preliminary results are telling us a couple of things. One, I think some people have in their mind that if you give people $500 a month and you don't tell them how to spend it, that they're going to go buy brand new cars or TVs or, you know, purses or, you know, spend it, spend it on things that are not necessary. What, what, the, what the initial data says is people spent it on food, clothing, paying bills. Um, so so the, the real necessities of living. Nobody went out, and, and let's be frank, $500 is not a ton of money. Um, and so I think that's the, also the importance of choosing Alice because $500 for somebody who's on the margin can make a difference when the car needs something or when the refrigerator goes out or whether or when you need to purchase medicine for a child or food for yeah. your household, right? $500 can make a difference in that way. And As I like to say, it takes the sharp edges off. That's a really great analogy. And I think one of the reasons that this, I, I think I wanted to make sure we talked about Alice so much is because one of the potential pushbacks here is, well, these folks aren't working to begin. No, 
These this are, group was, these are folks who are working and sometimes several jobs. Exactly, and there was pushback about why don't we give it to someone who is homeless or someone who's mm -hmm. struggling more. And what, what we wanted to be, what we wanted to do is really be intentional about ma making sure that that $500 made a difference and, and could shift someone out of poverty. And what we know from the storytellers is it has made a difference. So my favorite story, um, is, a, is about a young man um, and his three sons. Single dad, three teenage kids. Um, you know, and, and he's going to work every single day and struggling to take care of his family. Hadn't been able to do anything fun. His son was struggling in school. The family dynamics were difficult just because of the pure stress. And, and that $500 for him did a couple things. One, he took his kids skating. And I don't think, as, as a family, they went and did something together. And I don't think we realize, for those of us who can just go do that, how important that is to a family unit. Well, the other thing he did is his son who was- well, You can't spend your life in fight or flight. No, you can't, yeah, you right. can't, you cannot. Not, not in survive and not, you can, you can survive like that, but you certainly can't thrive like mm -hmm. that. And, and then he also used the money to get tutoring for his son who was getting C's and D's, who is now getting A's and B's. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then he didn't have to worry about, he didn't have to choose whether or not he bought enough cereal for his teenage boys or if he bought insulin for his other son. But the part that is, the part that gets me and the word I like to share about our pilot is what we heard from people is it gave them room to breathe. Mm -hmm. And I, I just don't think the power of somebody being able to just sit down and go, let me look past tomorrow morning. Let me look into next week or the week after. So the other thing he did is this offered an opportunity to breathe. He started to take additional classes at work so that he knew this income was going away so that when the income went away, he might be able to get a promotion or some bonuses that would help supplement that. That's what we did for that family. Mm -hmm. And so we know it made a difference. So Abigail, I know you, you were the kind of the on the ground person in terms of program implementation. Um, how did, <sighs> I guess, what was your experience in terms of who got selected? And in the research piece, there'll be a curve. Those who, those who had this kind of success with it, some had outsized success. They went to school and ended up with a whole other degree. And there's going to be some people like, well, they, you know, they didn't do much with it. Um, what's your analysis of that? And how, how, do you, how, do you, how do you interpret the fact that there's going to be some hits and misses in this thing? You know, I think that any time that you run a research program, you open yourself up to, as you're calling them, hits and misses and ebbs and flows. Anecdotally, I think everything that we're seeing is profound so far. I'm the boots on the ground, so I know all 110 of the recipients and mm -hmm. built a personal relationship with them. Um, and that's just been beautiful. I get different check-ins, uh, spontaneous check-ins mm -hmm. from different recipients just wanting to let me know that they were able to attend a cousin's wedding or letting me know that they are grateful that they didn't have to get a second job this month. Um, I think that we're also due for some differences in the impact of these dollars given the rate of inflation recently, especially as it spiked during the middle of our demonstration. So that's certainly something that our researchers have um, have sat down and talked with us about is that inflation is definitely going to vary what we had expected to see or what we might have seen in Stockton before, um, before the pandemic. Uh, to your first question of how did participants get it, uh, you know, invited into the program and all sorts of things like that, um, that was ran by the University of Pennsylvania. As you said, it's really a rigorous process running a research program. Uh, so we have what's known as a randomized control trial. Yep. We have our 110. We have a 132 control group. All of those are randomly selected by eligible applicants by the University of Pennsylvania. And when are they thinking about the, what, um, when will the final report, when, when are they thinking their research or their paper will be published, which is probably 
probably what this will result in. But uh, Yeah, so we're expecting our formal data around June of 2024, and that report, so just next summer. Uh, yeah, year, yeah, year and a half from now. Exactly. Okay. Uh, and that data will include, you know, financial volatility, education and employment attainment, um, things like hope and mattering, different mental and physical volatility and wellness measurements on that. Uh, in the meantime, though, we do get uh, spending behavior. So through our partnership with a disbursement partner and then the University of Pennsylvania, we're able to monitor where the dollars are being spent every month. Victoria, or, or, I, I'm not sure one of you gestured at this, which is taking this um, these individual city and town ideas and research projects and then talking about national policy somehow. Mm -hmm. um, the earned income child tax credit, 3000 for kids, 3600 for uh, uh, kids under five married up to 150 grand on the income there. Part of the American Rescue Plan. Um, that's one thing that happened during COVID. Is that a is that a step in the right direction? Is that what this ends up looking like, or is it some money coming back out of Social Security Administration? To, how does what is it? How do we implement it? I, I I think I think that I think as you just outlined the, the earned um, income uh, child tax credit is 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 one of the ways. I think that's a perfect example of how this could work. What we do know. Um, what, and what we have learned and know is that cities cannot afford to run these programs. States can help a little bit, but this really has to be at the federal level. And that's why the research and the data is going to be so important because that's what we're going to need to convince them at the federal level that this is something that works. But they've already seen changes um, with what they've done, what they've done with the EIC. Let me just call it EIC because every time I say it, 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 they go in different directions. But they, they've already seen the benefit. Um, of how families have been lifted out of poverty with that. And so um, right now, because that's a program that the, Fed, the federal uh, government is, is interested in, has done, and is familiar with, mm -hmm. that's one way that we're pushing it. But we're hoping to really educate people on guaranteed income. I was at a conference in September that said, where we learned that 55% of Americans now support some kind of guaranteed income program, yeah. which is huge. I was interested, when I saw that as well, yeah. I was like, I was really surprised the number was that high. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it does say we still have a lot of work to do, yeah. but certainly I bet there was a time when, when it was oh, yeah. in the teens, oh, yeah. right? Nobody, yeah. no, when Andrew Yang talked about it on the campaign trail, nobody, everybody thought he was out of his mind, but <laughs> right. we're, seeing, we're seeing how it really can yeah. affect. And I think just real quickly, Tom, the other thing that's important in all of these cities is that each city got to design for their own city. Mm -hmm. So in Tacoma, we focused on children. We focused on say, our one income families, with kids. With kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we were trying to look at a couple of things. One, whether childcare. And the other thing was, you know, we have an affordability issue and a homeless issue in our in our community. So we also wanted to see how this could keep people housed. Yeah. Um, other people focused on people who were um, getting their degree or, you know, so people yeah. focus in different areas. But I think the way we focused was important for Tacoma. Yeah. And one of the cities was actually house payment related. They dedicated yeah. it to rent, I think. So, yeah, there's several different models. And that's why it's great to be part of a research project is you're going to get to see a cross section of what worked, what didn't. Absolutely. How was it most effective? What are the results say? So that's good. Um, Donna, one of the things I like about, you know, in your world and talking with you is that you have your, you're a Venn diagram of your foot, one foot talking with people of means and another foot talking with people without means and you are right in the intersection of those things. So I want to hit you with some of the pushback, some of the things that you've probably heard and that you have to answer and, and talk about when you're having these discussions. 
you know, the more generous we are, Donna, the less we're asking of the poor. So aren't we really hurting the poor in the long run doing this kind of thing? <laughs> you know you've heard it. We have all. We have all heard it. And yeah, and I think that, you know, it has been a challenge. Um, and that's why I think the storytelling is so uh, very important. Uh, and, you know, also, too, there's, you know, I always say there's a moral imperative to this, you know, but there's also an economic imperative. I mean, the, this $6,000 that these individuals were getting for this for a year, it's going back into the community. Okay. It's going back into the, the economy. Uh, and so, um, you know, it, uh, you know, one of the things that we yeah, do. Not an offshore bank account. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, you know, we, uh, and, and also to the, you know, these individuals, it's not like it's going to, uh, to the mayor's point, they're not stopping, you know, they're not uh, quitting their jobs. You know, this is meant to be a supplement uh, to their income. Uh, and, you know, the, the other thing is, too, I mean, it's, it has really made a difference. I mean, $500 has helped these families move forward. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's also about dignity. Uh, as well. You know, poverty isn't a personal failure, and that's one of the things that we've really tried to lift up. It's that, you know, what are all the systems? You know, we talk about collecting this data so that we can help to inform the policies that are out there that, you know, are helping people, but sometimes just, you know, keeping them right on the edge. And, yeah. you know, this this really helped move uh, those 110 individuals forward. So it's... Here's Here's another one. I'm pulling these quotes out of some of these articles that I'm yeah. reading. So here's, here's one for you, Victoria. Okay. The unintended consequences. Will we lose the low-wage workforce we rely so much upon? Caring for the elderly, stores, restaurants. People aren't going to pay more. There's going to be automation. Might it turn a good piece of the population into surplus to be sort of a Darwinian or apocalyptic um, endgame? Mm -hmm. um, at some point, won't the producers just say, forget it? So we lose all the, if we have a guaranteed minimum income, these people, uh, th this group of folks aren't working anymore, they're not producing, uh, they, collect, they collect a check and they're surplus. Um, an unintended consequence, what do you think about that? Uh, again, it gets to, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm so angry because that's just ridiculous to me. But it gets to that point, $500 a month is not enough to live off of. So, so the idea that 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 we will that we will lose um, this group of people and they will just stay home and collect their check is so wrong. But what we are doing is we are actually giving them breathing room to actually skill up. And so, and so what we've got, we're actually helping them. So they get don't out become of, surplus. Exactly. Right. So it's an opportunity for yeah. them. One of the Stockton stories about a gentleman who's, who actually, because he was a, an hourly worker, could take a day off his job to go interview for a better job and he got it so so to that no real response except for that's ridiculous okay. <laughs> here is one that i do buy a little bit sure aren't we to some degree and abigail you can try this one and you guys can too aren't we to some degree however subsidizing employers who are not paying a, a living wage I think, in fact, that having a guaranteed income and having a consistent base for employees sets the table for bargaining. And actually, I've heard from a handful of different um, union workers that they think it would be a net benefit to their purpose because it creates some sort of standard where they do then have a, a typical income that they're able to bargain against and bargain more. And this for. is the same argument with tipping. Hey, it's nice to leave a big tip, but aren't I, aren't I just telling the employer, hey, you can pay less? 
I, I'm not sure about that. How do you think about that? You, you know, I, I, I hear what you're I hear what you're saying, and and I and I and I get the concept. But again, I get back to that. What we're doing is, I mean, these Alice are people who get up every day and go to work, right? right? And and they're and but they're, maybe they're not getting paid enough. But maybe not getting paid enough. But maybe they also don't have all the skills to get to the next level of a job, right? And so and so I think that there are some jobs that are entry level. And, 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 and that pay minimum wage, and I'm, I'm glad we live in a state or I live in a city where minimum wage is $15, right? Or actually, it's more than that now. But, but so I, I think that we're always going to have entry-level jobs. But, but the idea is everybody comes into an entry-level job and has an opportunity to move up to They're a good-paying job. Exactly. Yeah. You're not stuck. And a lot of our people get stuck because they don't have opportunities for growth. And I think this breathing room that they get from a guaranteed income allows them that opportunity for personal growth. And let's growth. mention this, too, that ideally this isn't something you stay on no. across the generations. Right. This is something you, that comes into your life and you cycle out. and, and Somebody else cycles in. Right. Yeah. And right. I certainly think that for many families, it has the ability to get them up and over what's typically known as the benefits cliff or just over that poverty line and into a sustainable form of self-sufficiency. Yeah. And it's such a tough area because you don't qualify for, you make too much to qualify, yeah. you don't make enough to do, it's a tough spot. We have, one of our recipients was, what is it, 20 or $22, $22 too much yeah. to get any funding. And what we did for her in a year was the fact that now she has paid off her bills, upped her credit, and qualifies to buy a house. Last 40 seconds, Donna, to you. What if people want to learn more, get involved? Might there be another trial? Um, what do you want to leave folks with? Wow, let's see. We've been doing a lot of discussing about what, what is next mm -hmm. with this. Uh, we certainly want to, um, you know, we'd love to continue to do it, but I think for us, a big piece of it is just to continue to advocate you know, advocate at the state level. You know, our information is going to is has been informing at the national level. Um, the discussions going on. So, you know, advocating. You know, right now there's a bill um, that just um, it just passed. Just passed. That's right. Yeah. House so. Bill. It, House Bill 1045. So House Bill 1045. <laughs> call your state legislator. Yeah. Call your state <laughs> legislator. They can they can help uh, advocate on on behalf of that. But um, I think the other thing is too is realizing that you know people who are struggling don't want to struggle. I mean, it's really about... The research giving, shows they want to go to work. Right, yeah. exactly. It's about a hand up and not a hand out. And so changing that narrative, I mm -hmm. think, is really key. Here's the problem. 14 million U.S. households live in poverty. But the other problem, though, is that every dime the government gives to somebody is taken from somebody else. And while the uber-rich are often cited as examples of those who can do more, it's the regular old W-2 wage earners that are quietly being taxed out of the middle class. The bottom line, the war on poverty, like the war on drugs, hasn't been won, with $20 trillion spent in the past 60 years. And the same problems rolling through the generations. But with that said, maybe trying something new can't hurt. And it might even provide savings if the existing 126 program safety nets bureaucracy can be eliminated or reduced.